Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. Welcome to another episode of the song Inside and Out. I'm your host, Blake Clayton. This is an IBWIP Productions show. 
and we have a very special guest with us uh, for this episode. Um, Saving Country Music called him the most, the best songwriter of our generation, regardless of genre, scene, commercial, or critical success. And also, No Depression uh, described it as possibly described him as possibly one of the most important American singer songwriters of our time. Uh, I'm I'm very honored to have the one and only Willie T. Taylor. Welcome to the show. Well. That is a whole, I'm honored to be here. That's a whole lot of stuff to. That's a whole lot of nice things to have to live up to every day. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I was thinking. That's caught me off guard a little bit when you hear somebody actually say it. <laughs> I'm like thinking about, wow, who are these people? They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. <laughs> and you are also the co uh, co frontman for the Good Luck Thrift Store outfit. Um, which is it, it, you, you do solo stuff and you do stuff with them as well, right? Yep. Well, yep. We're pretty busy. Pretty busy. There you go. Um, what we're going to do is I thought we would sit down and talk about uh, the song Hummingbird, which is off your 2011 release, Four Strings. And uh, how long ago did you write the song? Uh, I guess that was probably about 2003. Or so? Is that when the record came out? Uh, it came out. I forgot. Like, it says it was released in 2011. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess. 2000. We started the songwriting game back in 2003, I think. Somewhere around there. It's been about 15 years. Wow. So, so around there, 2003 or four, or somewhere around there. So, um, you know, with the song... Uh, it's 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 probably when when you think of Willie T, that's kind of one of the first songs that comes to mind. And I was kind of wondering how how the song came about. Um, and did you sit did you sit down and it was a uh, you know was it written in one sitting or was it uh, done over a, a a number of weeks or how how long did it take you to put the song together? Well, this one was an interesting one because I I had the chord progression I was messing around with and. Uh, then I met this girl, and she played music, and so I kind of gave her the progression as like a bouquet of flowers, because <laughs> she really liked it, and she toyed around with it for um, a week or two, and then she just gave it back and said, it's too pretty, I can't, have, I can't find anything for it, and so then I went down to this old hotel in this little town I lived in, Knightsbury, California. And I just sat there playing it in the back of this old uh, hotel. And a hummingbird and landed on a hummingbird feeder. And then it just came out right wow. there in one spot. Wow. Like the whole entire song. So it was, it was kind of like a marinating chord progression that was given to somebody and then given back. And then a hummingbird flew by and then the song was written within an hour. Wow. Probably. All it takes was uh, yeah. the flight of one bir- uh, one hummingbird to come by and kind of you know to trigger uh, the unloading of the song. Yeah, and it, yeah, those are special songs. Right. <laughs> I wish that was the formula every time. You'd become an <laughs> official bird watcher, right? You just sit back and wait for the. Oh yeah. So, you know, what was what what were you wanting to convey during the song? Because there 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 are a lot of uh, a lot of 
metaphors and such. Obviously, the hummingbird is, is, a, is it would be a metaphor for a lot of things. But was there one specific subject you were um, wanting to get across, or was it kind of a multiple multitude of things? It's a little bit of a multiple of different kind of kind of hummingbirds in my life. You know, sure. people that don't stick around too long and they they just. <laughs> they're here and they're gone and it always makes me sad when they take off you know right so there's probably like three you know yeah you know, three different people involved there is it uh, with like oh. you know probably five or six other people hanging in the shadows of it also you know yeah, right. kind of, it just whatever was on my mind I guess at the time one I was watching a friend of mine drink himself to death you know so that was that was a hard thing to watch somebody do definitely and so that was on my mind and you know quitting smoking the, the girl I gave the progression to quit smoking and she was all excited and you know I smoked still and I every time I quit I feel like I'm gonna get back to you know running running like I used to but I end up drinking and smoking more right they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And I played an old uh, 29 Gibson tenor guitar that was falling apart. And it seemed that, you know, everywhere I played was just run down old bars. And that's where I met all my best friends. <laughs> um, you know, over the years, uh, over the years has, you know, the song, obviously, like I said, is, is kind of a staple when, when you think of Willie T songs. Um, do you ever get tired of, of playing the song? I know it's, it's, it's hard to, hard to probably say, you know, but. Well, you know, I, I don't really, not that song. And, and recently a friend of mine, her name's Kelly Jane and she's in a band called the little fuller band and she sings hummingbird like nobody else. So. Every time she's around, I love when she sings it. It's it's something to hear. So I haven't really been seeing it much myself lately because I just like hearing her sing. <laughs> but I, I love playing that song. It brings me back to that hotel, brings me right back to where I wrote it. Like, I'll, I'll never leave that spot, you know? Right, right. You know, In that moment. And, you know, at the end of the song, it says, I can only be right where I'm at. I mean, that you, that when you when you sing that song, you go right back to that spot. Yeah, pretty much. Um, now you, you, yeah, I'm, I'm there right now in my head. You know, that's how, I guess that's with every song, you know. Sure. If you ask me any song, I'll go right back there in my head to whatever makes me think of. Some things are weird, and I don't know why I think of them while I sing it, but I do. Right. So, yeah. so uh, when it comes to songwriting, um, you know, everybody has a different way of doing it, a different style of doing it. Um, like you said, you, you worked on a chord progression for a, a, a while, and then, you know, you, you see something that triggers a whole song. Um, for you, what makes a, a good song? What keeps, you, what, what keeps you from crumbling up the paper and, and, and throwing a song away? Um, I never write anything down, so... I'm not sure. I think what what's key for me is to have time all by myself to where I could just sit there and 
yell and do whatever I want. And but if they, you know, life gets busy, and then pretty soon, you know, I have two kids, and so uh, you just forget that you don't have that time and space anymore. Sure. So then you kind of um, forget <laughs> to write songs, and then they they just don't come, and then. I don't know, I guess in the last couple of years I've been real consumed with people all around that it's it, it's hard to find the time to sit there and write a song, I don't know. But I think the key element is just alone time. <laughs> That's what it is for me. Now you said that you 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 don't write stuff down. How how do you how do you put songs together and how do you remember songs without writing them down? Um, I, I think it might, you know, stem from when I was, uh, in theater. I really liked theater in high school and that's what really got me. And, you know, I still long to be a movie maker, but, uh, acting is really great. And I think it's key points to not have your script with you. Right. And, you know, so I think I just sit there and I memorize and I go through, everything in my head and then when I organize it while I'm sitting there I find and then I'll play it through 20 times without messing it up right one like if I mess up one word I start from the beginning wow. and go and then usually by the end of it I'll never forget it unless it's a song I haven't sang in you know a long time and but it seems to be locked in, so if there's ever a head injury or something, you know. All the songs will be locked. Uh, they're gone. They're out. <laughs> I, I, I suggest just wear a helmet all the time. <laughs> no matter what. Just walking down the road, just wear a helmet. Um, you know, Maybe we'll knock some new ones in. There you go. Uh, who are some of uh, songwriters that have inspired you over the years? Um, I'd say when I was younger... I really, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, because this question comes up a lot, and, and, you know, you think about, um, I'd say when I was little, my brother brought home Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, yeah. and I, we went to sleep to Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, like, every night for, you know, a couple months, and... I think that kind of stemmed something in me, like that kind of started and seeded a different kind of way of listening to just Michael Jackson or Molly Crew. And I mean, even though I listened to all that also when I was a kid, I really loved rock and roll. I look, I liked it all. I liked Willie Nelson. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to, I guess Mark Knopfler ingrained something in my head or whoever was right. You know, I, I'm not a huge Dire Straits fan, but I mean, I am, I guess, but I don't know everything about him. But, um, so then after that, it got into, you know, I was listening to all kinds of stuff, but a lot of metal. I like metal, you know, and, and shitty metal, you know, and like I was into a lot of weird shit. But always listening to, you know, George Strait on the side. Not that that's like a huge influence, but all of 
over the place is what I'm saying. Sure, you have a lot of different And then places. I found, and then it was the day that I, uh, I smoked a dude at my buddy's house in high school and threw it on, on one of his parents, Bob Dylan's records, and that, I would say that sealed the deal right there. Hearing, uh, hearing Bob Dylan, <laughs> you know, right. lit up for the first time was like, oh my God, what is, heaven is happening here. And then, um, I still was going to rock concerts and, but then I saw a guy named Greg Brown at a strawberry music festival when I was about 19. And he, I didn't even play music or anything, but. I sat and watched every word and everything he sang about, and that sealed the deal. I was like, okay, I see what, what I'm going to do with my life. And that was exactly what I thought right then. Like, I'm getting a guitar. I'm going for it. Wow. So, you know... The so, Greg Brown was the... He was the king to me for a while. Like, are you familiar with Greg Brown? Uh, no, I, I wrote it down, so I'm definitely going to check into it. Yeah. He's an interesting cat. He's a hero of mine for sure. Awesome. So, you know, when we're hearing Bob Dylan and, and, and Greg Brown, was it uh, uh, the style more of a, of a storyteller style that kind of caught you um, as opposed to, you know, just, you know, like Dire Straits? They're, they're telling stories, but it's more of a song format, I guess, than like a storytelling. Sure. I, I like that part a lot, but I think that I mostly like the way that they could they could fill space. And keep space empty. And the way that they could say words that would fill space with this music that was just, I don't know, put me in a trance. It was like, let's find out how you could say that simple sentence. And it just jogs you to the soul because of the cadence of it. And the way they filled the space up and how soft and how hard it was and how blew my mind blew my mind. Amazing. And then listening to, and then I like started listening to a lot of uh, different African music and things I couldn't, and words I couldn't understand just so I could hear the cadence of things and how people filled up space. And oh, wow. It just, be, it became a fire thing for me. Right. The way that you could fit words into certain spots and how you could change words. One word could screw up the whole cadence and then the whole song is, Forever gone, you know. Sure. sure. Um, it became a game. <laughs> you know, it was like a game of how simple can I say something, and how you know I'm gonna go to the store, and then like how many ways can I say that? You know, like sure. baby, baby hungry. <laughs> okay, baby's hungry. That means gotta go to the store. You know, shit like that. So I know that you're a huge uh, a baseball fan, and I was wondering, uh, do you? Is there anything that you see that baseball and songwriting have in common? Oh, yes. Completely. Baseball is the greatest, like, group of bullshitters you've ever seen (laughs) in your life. And, you know, most songwriters are also. Like, it's the... Baseball players love telling stories just as much as they love playing baseball. And... I think that's the beauty. It's just a long... It's a, it's a getting to be a lost art of storytelling. Like, 
if he wanted to go, like I hung out with Tim Slatter, he's the he's the ex uh, third base coach for the Giants, and he was also a second baseman for the Padres for years. And that guy could fit in. We're sitting there talking. I'm playing him some baseball songs, but he fit in maybe six or seven baseball stories within 37, 30 seconds, <laughs> you know, and that I'll, I'll never forget, like, sure. the art of, like, just his cadence of baseball and the way that it's played and the respect for it is, it is a song. Like, I mean, it's all, it flows like a song, and you have, I mean, when it comes to being in a band, you know, sure. you, you rightly have your pitchers, you have your relief pitchers, you also have, you know, but, Nobody wants to catch, you know, so, I mean, you got your drummer, uh, you know, nobody else knows how to drum, you know, man, it's just all, uh, yes, I like being on a team, I like being in a band, I like, uh, I like singing by myself and storytelling, like, baseball, man, music, awesome. I, I, I was glad because I was kind of worried about that question because when I wrote it down, it sounded great. But I was like, if he says nothing, then I, then I look like a big idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> No, man. It's like, it goes, it's just hand in hand. Like in talking with Flattery, he was, uh, you know, they, they sit around and play music all the time. Like music lifts their spirits. I mean, this is with anything, really, you know. But they spell the rhythm. Music's a rhythm. It's up and down. It's filling space. It's how you're filling space. It's how you're paying attention to things. Great. So, you know, earlier you, you, you spoke of the young lady that sings, you know, Hummingbird and how, she, how, how you like to hear her sing it. You know, one of... Uh, when I uh, got into the Harm Brothers, one of the, the, the first videos I watched is a video of them covering Hummingbird as well. As a songwriter, when you see other artists, you know, uh, do... Um, do versions of your song. Uh, how, how does how does that make you feel? Well, I I love it. I think it it makes me feel like uh, I sit and wonder like what they think of when they sing it. Sure, you know, because every time I sing a song, I'll think of the same. It's almost like I guess new things get introduced into it also, but like a little bag of magic, so every time you go to the song, all those elements come out. And so when you see somebody else do one of your songs, it, I, I always wonder, like, I wonder what they're thinking about, you know? Right. I wonder uh, what their little magic bag is when they're singing the song. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I started doing this format uh, of interviews is, you know, uh, I, there's a you know there there's a song that I might listen to, and it might have one... A, a certain meaning or it, it might mean something to me, you know, and then to somebody else, it means something else. And then the songwriter was, you know, completely, you know, over in a different, uh, in left field and it means something else. So, you know, uh, I, to me, I, I'm kind of a, a, a songwriter groupie and, um, you know, hearing the stories behind the songs and, and hearing where they came from, it, it, I, I just find it really, really interesting. I could, I could listen to stories all day. Yeah. Well, you know, to, on an interesting note, I have this one song called Molly Rose. Yes, yes. And it's a, it's a murder ballad. And uh, it's not about that at all. Like, you know, <laughs> I completely, I can, somebody, I lived in a small town and this guy asked me to move my van. 
And I was kind of grumpy that day, and I didn't really think I needed to move my van. And he kind of thinks he's an uppity guy in town anyways. Uh, so I moved my van, but then later that night I walked down to the old whorehouse. It's an old gold mine in town. But, but now it's an ice cream shop, of course. <laughs> You're okay. um, and I sat there, and I was just kind of a little grumpy about it. And then I was sitting in the old, the old, old whorehouse, so I made... Molly, I made my van this beautiful whore, and then I made this guy, Lee McGowan, this bad guy. Wow. <laughs> that still beautiful whore, and it's actually just me being grumpy about having to move my van. <laughs> and then after the song was done, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a terrible song. <laughs> that's a dark song, you know? That must have pissed me off. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> hey, that's definitely- and, uh, I'm kind of afraid to play that song now. It's, it's pretty... Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I I've learned to fall. I mean, I love my van too, but I just get sad every time I goes to house and can't play it or sing it anymore. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's actually a really interesting story because I know that you know we, we've we've been in the car listening to uh, the CD and that song "Come On" and my wife just is like, "That's so sad." But now you just say it's a, it's just a van, honey. It's just a van. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It is. I know it's a skipper. I know it's a huge skipper for everyone. Like, just, I'm not in the mood to... Yeah. That's awesome. And it's, um, that's funny, because I was watching Deadwood a lot, too. So I think it all just kind of came together, but... Awesome. Uh, anyhow, I'm watching Deadwood again. That's funny that we're talking about it. Well, uh... I'm, I'm, boy, yeah, I'm not using as many Chris words as I thought. No, you're watching not. Deadwood so much. There you but. go. Have you seen Deadwood? Or uh, am I just rambling? I haven't. I haven't checked it out. I I, I, I find oh, that fabulous. when I when with series like that, I, I don't. I usually don't have the time to sit down and like if I started, I know I'm just going to obsess about it, and you know then I'll I'll lose track right. lose track of everything else. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. So I have to do it in spells where there's kind of a lull, and I'm in a bit of a lull right now. So decided to revisit it, and it's still awesome. <laughs> So, what does Willie T have planned for uh, you know the rest of the summer and into the fall, music-wise? Um, well, I have a solo album that was I was hoping it was going to be out in April, but it's something records they take a lot of time. It's going to come out September first. Oh, and um, so it's called Knuckleball Prime, and it's it's got. A, couple baseball songs on it and it's about baseball love and hope I guess there you go things like that death all of it mixed in together things really even. so where can folks go when that comes out where, where can they go to find out all the the news Willie T news and tour and, and where they can get their hands on the album when it comes out well you know I, I have a website I, I don't go to it very often and I'm sure some people will contest to that <laughs> but um com is what it is. So, and I don't know, hopefully somebody helps me with this stuff because I don't like technology very much. Sure. So that's why I don't visit it very often and change it because I don't even have a computer. It's got a tiny phone and I got big thumbs and it's just a pest. <laughs> and so then I end up just drinking. There you go. So, uh, you know, we, obviously, you know, the, the focus was Hummingbird, and 
if if you're fine with it, I would like to play Hummingbird at the beginning before the interview and actually play Molly Rose at the end of it just because you added that story. If you're okay with that, I would. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. Yeah, go for it, man. That would be awesome. Yeah, whatever you like. Well, uh, definitely when, yeah. when the new album comes out, definitely. Are you in Nashville? Uh, no, I'm actually in Pekin, Illinois, central Illinois, like uh, uh, four hours south of Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I'll be I'll be running through. I go on a tour with uh, half of the Good Luck Thrift Store outfit. We're we're trucking out to Indiana, Friendship Indiana, for the Whispering Beard Festival at the end of August. Okay. And then cruising down and meeting up with the rest of the band at the Muddy Roots Festival oh, in Nashville. Yeah. But we're tr- we're trucking our way out there to Indiana at some point, so I don't know. Maybe we could run into each other, brother. Definitely. We we actually, uh, one time we actually met was uh, you were doing a tour with the Calamity Cubes. It was probably three or four years ago, three years ago, and uh, you guys played a, a, a small gig in Iowa, I do believe, at, at this it was a bar oh, yeah. right by the railroad tracks. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. There, in my living yeah. room. Yeah, in my living room. Yeah, but, oh, sorry. Right, so, okay, nice. Yeah. That was that. Uh, yeah, okay. That was right in Leclerc, Iowa, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, there was, uh, like, the railroad tracks were right by it. And uh, um, I have a picture of you and Brooke and my wife in my living room up on the wall, so... Well, and actually, yeah, and, and, Joey's oh, actually, sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, Joey uh, from the Calamity Cubes is actually coming by the house tonight. He's playing in Pekin, so he's coming by the house tonight. Oh, beautiful. You give him a big old hug for oh, me. Definitely. definitely. Of sunshine. Definitely. He's a storyteller. Yeah, you know, and another thing, when you were mentioning heroes of songwriters, like, once I got into songwriting and then met my buddy Tom Vandenhoven, yeah, yep. uh, we just started writing songs like Mad Men. And so ever since then, all I listen to are my friends. So it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't listen to a lot of mainstream music. You know, I guess unless it's some of my friends that are doing all right, but... They're my heroes now, so and I, I think we just keep each other going and listening to great songs, and, and I think that's the whole point of writing a song is to uplift or connect with the spirit of your brothers and sisters and keep rolling, and, and all my buddies are doing a hell of a job at it, and I'm proud of them, and her, her them, all of them, well, they're all my buddies, but yeah, so anyways, my friends are my heroes. There you go. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a good that's a good uh, a mantra, you know. Have your friends be your hero. Yeah. Well, Willie, absolutely. It was an honor to have you on the show, um, and I, I think it was. I, I really appreciate the extra little little story about Molly Rose. I'm going to go tell the wife right now that she can listen to that without any kind of fear of, you know, <laughs> it being such a dark song. Now. <laughs> yeah, and the van is alive and well in Portland, oh, and yeah. it's getting redone. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank you for your music, and thank you for uh, you know always sharing your music. And definitely get a hold of us in September, and we'll we'll, we'll definitely plug the new album for you. All right, thanks, Blake. Thank you. Have a good night. I dig it.
and our new of his plan. The miner Lee McGowan lived in the Highland, where he stayed up each night for near a year, and he'd whisper it softly so no one would hear. Set sail, Molly Rose, my darling. Get ready for hell. Molly Rose was a lively. Beauty of a whore. No man was so strong he couldn't come back for more. On the night that the moon had the coyotes a howling in the whorehouse, walked a darkness by the name of Lee McGowan. He came there that night to take Molly's life. He had a bleeding heart, two forty-fours, and his favorite knife. Molly Rose, I'm coming for you, and I'll kill anybody that don't want me to. The blood'll spill an ocean, and then we'll set sail, Molly Rose, my darling. Struck by her beauty as she walked down the stairs, every man's eyes were on her, wishing that she was theirs. Her seductive smile soon turned to a frown when she gazed upon a smiling man by the name of Lee McGowan. She knew this face well. So dark and so cold, she nearly had to kill the man about a year ago. She shot him down with her derringer. She took him right to death, but he fled away and returned today to take her last breath. Molly Rose, I'm coming for you. And I'll kill anybody that don't want me to. The blood'll spill an ocean, and then we'll set sail, Molly Rose, my darling. Get ready for hell. She knew why he was there. She let out a cry. Yeah. Reminding the whore 
side And guns started blasting Bodies fell to the ground The only two left standing Were Molly Rose and Lee McGowan And he smiled at her bloody They shot him six times But he ran for the staircase And he pulled out his knife Molly Rose She was trembling with fear And he held a knife Right to her throat And he whispered in her ear Molly Rose Well I've come for you And I killed anybody That didn't want me to The blood made an ocean Now it's time we set sail, Molly Rose, my darling, welcome to hell. Are you a blogger or a podcaster or you're just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs with a free site builder and the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try free demo to see how easy it is. And if you use a special coupon code, section 8686, you'll save 25% off your web hosting packages. What do you got to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite of your web hosting costs.